Okay. Yeah. No. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you, Melanie, for leading us in worship. Really appreciate that. Cheyenne and I were planning on being there today, and um, Cheyenne was planning on leading worship. Um, but I ended up testing positive with COVID on Saturday morning. And so here we are on Saturday evening. And um, I'm speaking to the camera again, to you through the camera. And I really appreciate Josh and Bethany being here uh, recording this. And so the song Melanie just led you in, um, Ancient Words, is uh, really important because Ancient words are going to be tossed back and forth between Jesus and Satan this morning. And it's, and it's uh, before we talk about that, I'd like to talk, introduce a word to you, and it is the word temptation. And maybe that has different connotations to different people, but here's how I'm using the word temptation. Temptation is the desire, that's important, you've got to want it, the desire to do something wrong or foolish. So this is not merely driving by sweet temptations and thinking I want an ice cream cone. This is the desire to do something wrong that would really end up being harmful or foolish in the sense that it would cost you or other people dearly. I think it will help us if we can see temptation for what it is. It is a desire to do something wrong or foolish. So what we'll see today, as we go through this, is we'll see Jesus be tempted with three different temptations from the devil himself. And as Jesus faces these three different temptations, I'd like you to be thinking about this question. Which one of those temptations feels the most real to me today? In fact, um, Wes is going to lead... A small group, and that's one of the questions he's going to invite people to think about, is which of these temptations feels the most real today? If you participate in that, you'll get a chance to answer it. And even if you don't, if you talk about this with friends or family on the way home, which temptation feels the most real today? Before we do this, let me pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, as we look at this text, and as we examine these ancient words, Lord, I pray that you stand in front of me while I stand in front of them, and that you talk over me while I talk to them. Lord, I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So here we are in Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. Matthew chapter 4 and verse 1. And Jesus was led up by the Spirit. Okay, so where we were just last week was Jesus received baptism of John. And when Jesus did this, he was committing to the Father's mission. He was getting this first baptism in view of his next baptism. And of course, Jesus is anointed by the Holy Spirit in his baptism. And now here's the Spirit leading Jesus, okay? So I want you to see this, that it is God's will that Jesus be tempted. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit 
into the wilderness. So when they heard wilderness, they'd maybe be thinking of wilderness wandering. So they'd be thinking of their ancestors uh, in the wilderness after the exodus and how God took care of them and met them and how they were shaped as a people, but also how they failed in the wilderness and how they had to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. And will Jesus fail when he's out in the wilderness, when he's tempted by the devil? So then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness for a reason, and this is the reason. To be tempted by the devil. I mean, I just a picture, and this is probably wrong, and probably you should forget this, but I just picture the Spirit saying to Jesus, come on, there's this guy i got to have you meet. Like... I'd rather not. Oh, no, you need to. But he's got to meet him now because he will certainly do battle with him later. And so the first battle ensues. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit up into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Here's the first thing that we'll talk about here kind of extensively. Jesus was really tempted. I mean, he was tempted. These were real temptations. You'll see them as we go. And remember my question for you. Which one of these temptations, and we'll talk about three of them, feels the most real to you today? And you might be asking, what are you tempted with? Who are you tempted by? What are you tempted to do? What are you tempted to not do? Which of these temptations comes home to you? So Jesus was tempted. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, He was hungry. I guess he was. 40 days later, I have a hard time with four hours. Uh, So I can't imagine 40 days and 40 nights. And the tempter came and said to him, that's quite a name for the devil, isn't it? The tempter. This is what he does. This is his specialty. This is what he's good at. Then the tempter came and said to him, if you are the son of God, remember he was just declared to be the son of God. As God looked down, as Jesus is getting baptized, and Jesus is going in over his head, all into his mission, and the Heavenly Father looks down and says, this is my beloved Son. So temptation often comes from a sense of entitlement. Like, I deserve better than this. If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. Now, okay, let's just call a timeout and ask, okay, this is the first temptation. Command these stones to become loaves of bread. Why on earth... Is that even a thing? I mean, later on in Matthew, Matthew chapter 15, Jesus will miraculously make bread. There'll be multitudes out in the wilderness, and they won't have anywhere to go for food. And his disciples are like, send them home, Jesus. And Jesus is like, well, how about we feed them? And Jesus multiplies the loaves and and feeds them. So it's not wrong for Jesus to make bread. It's not wrong for Jesus to eat bread. Jesus will break bread with his disciples later on in his ministry. I mean, this is the Passover. This is the Last Supper that we celebrate. Jesus breaking bread. Not wrong for him to make bread. Not wrong for him to eat bread. So it's like Satan is tempting him with something that isn't wrong in and of itself. It's just wrong at this time. Because... The Spirit had led Jesus out into the wilderness to fast. And for him to break this fast before the fast is over would be wrong. The temptation is to quit too early and gratify the flesh. So Jesus says, but he answered, it is written, 
Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So this is a quote from Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3, where in, in 6 through 8 in Deuteronomy, it, Moses is telling the people, reminding the people before they go into the promised land, how they can live faithfully to God and how they haven't in the past. But here he's telling them how, remember how God brought you out in the wilderness to test you and to teach you and to teach you that there is more to life than bread. In fact, there's something more life-giving than bread and that is obeying when it's hard. And so this is what Jesus says to Satan. As Satan says, don't you want to live? Don't you want something that really gives life? Man, you're a pretty good baker, so why don't you bake one of these stones into a loaf of bread and you can really be satisfied and enjoy this bread and you're so desperately hungry, it'll be awesome. And Jesus says there's something more life-giving than bread and that's obeying the word of God. So here's the first temptation. Remember we said there's going to be three. Here's the first temptation. The first temptation, as I understand it, is to quit obeying in order to get what we want right now. So Jesus was tempted to quit on the fast, to quit early on the fast, so that he could satisfy his appetites right now. I have a friend that's a much better uh, biker than I am, like levels above me in biking. And uh, he was telling me about a workout that he does. And he encouraged me to do a shorter, easier version of it. Like, you know, kind of like patting me on the head, telling me I'm a good boy, and telling me, maybe you can handle this version of the workout. And so I do the, the good boy, you can do a nice version of the workout on Sunday afternoons. And my kids can testify. They hear me screaming and crying in pain in the basement. It's an hour and a half long, and it's the nice little boy version of the workout. He does the big boy version of the workout, which is two hours long. And it's dialed into your heart rate and the power meter and all the stuff on the bike. And it takes you up to failure and then brings you down just enough so you can survive. And then it takes you back up to failure and then down just enough so you can almost live and then back up to failure. I mean, it is, it is wildly hard. And he's telling me about it, trying, and he said, you know, the most important thing, the most important thing is the last 10 minutes of that workout. He's like, I really have to tell myself, you came all this way. You know, you worked out for an hour and 40 minutes to get here, to get here. The only way to get here, this last 10 minutes of the workout before the 10 minute cool down, the only way to get here is that hour and 40 minutes of suffering that led to this. And this is where the money is. You came all this way for here. This is where we grow. This is where we get better. These last 10 minutes, we make it or break it. We do or we don't. But see, to quit would be to negate all that work that came before. You either get all the way through it or you don't. And so Jesus comes all the way through the 40 days of fasting. And Satan says, oh, I mean, it's the last 10 minutes. You might as well break your fast. It doesn't matter. You can make this into a loaf of bread. See, how would you and I relate to that? What would be the last 10 minutes for us if we've come through a long, hard stretch and it's the last 10 minutes? 
And it's really hard. What will be the last 10 minutes for us? I think, I think we don't give friendships enough credit for their role in spiritual formation. And so maybe you've come through a long, hard season where you've told the truth, and then she's told the truth, and then you've told the truth, and then she's told the truth, and it would just be easier to walk away and find somebody else to be friends with. But what if this is the last 10 minutes, and it's not time to quit. It's time to tell the truth in love one more time. It's time to receive correction one more time. It's time to stay in this one more time. Sometimes we don't give marriage enough credit for spiritual formation. What if, what if you've been in this relationship for a long time and it feels like they're not trying and you're trying really hard? And, but what if this is the last 10 minutes and what you need to do is persevere and keep loving them even if it feels for all the world like they're not loving you back? Maybe it's the last 10 minutes. Maybe it's not time to quit. You know, the loaf of bread then, of like, just quit and <laughs> turn that into bread. And just, in, maybe that's something like adulterous. Something you look at, somebody you talk to. Maybe it's just escape. Like, I just can't do this anymore. Well, it's the last 10 minutes. Stay in this. Maybe it's parenting. You know, like little kids sometimes sometimes are tough. Like sometimes they're, they're measuring their will against your will and they're trying to figure out if you mean what you say. And you're fighting over bedtime or you're fighting over food or you're fighting over the potty. You know, my mom affectionately refers to those years as the potty wars. <laughs> and, and like, are they going to win or are you going to win? Who's going to win? Somebody's going to win. Either they're going to win or you're going to win. They're going to stay in bed or they're going to get out of bed again and tell you when bedtime is. <laughs> they're going to eat it or you're going to make them something else. Like, who's going to win? Maybe it's the last 10 minutes and you've got to stay in this and win. Don't quit too early. And the loaf of bread would be like saying, you know what, eat whatever you want. I'm just going to go watch TV and you just go play YouTube and eat chips. Who cares, you know? Like, what if it's the last 10 minutes and you need to stay in this? The first temptation that Jesus faced is one we all face. It's to quit early. It's to quit obeying now. It, it, quit obeying early so that we can get what we want now. Now. I just want relief. I just want escape now. Okay, that's the first temptation Jesus faces and Jesus wins. Second temptation Jesus faces. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple. You think very, very high, highest point of the temple. Now, did he really take him there or was it a vision? Uh, I'm just going just gonna to tell you. I don't know. And I don't think it matters. But if you like to argue about it, you can with somebody else. Then the, the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, there it is again. Remember, we just saw that in the last one. Like, aren't you entitled to something? If you are the son of God, throw yourself down. Like, 
some of you that are afraid of heights would be like, I don't know why that's a temptation. Well, you know, hold on, stick with us here. For it is written, this is Satan quoting scripture now, quoting Psalm 91.11, he will command his angels concerning you. Angels, you'll see angels again later on in this text. For he will, it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and in their, on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. What's Satan doing? He's telling Jesus, you know, there they are standing way up high, way up there, way up high. They look down, and Satan's like, hey, hey, you're the son of God. I bet if you jump, God will catch you. He has to. He has plans for you. He'll catch you. In fact, Scripture says, Psalm 91 says he'll catch you. So just jump and make him catch you. I dare you. I double dog dare you. What's Jesus say? Jesus said to him, again, it is written, Jesus quotes scripture again, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. He's saying that would be, so they're standing on the edge of the temple. Satan's like, come on and jump. It'll be cool. God will catch you. You're going to force God's hand to catch you. And Jesus says, that would be like putting God to the test. Like, if you're there, I know I can jump because I know you'll catch me. That psalm that Satan has quoted, Psalm 91, is a wonderful psalm, glorious psalm about how God protects his people. But it is not a psalm about how God protects his people when they make God rescue them from foolish, dumb things that they do. It's not a psalm about how we can do whatever we want and we can make God catch us. And we can make God rescue us. So here's this temptation. This temptation, uh, the second temptation, is a temptation to try to force God's hand, to try to make God do stuff. So Satan's like, hey, go ahead and jump. It'll be cool. Make God catch you. That's like to try to be God of God. To try to give God orders. To try to force God's hand. And so that's what the people of Israel were doing. So when Jesus quotes from Deuteronomy again, notice he's going to quote from Deuteronomy 6 through 8. He's going to quote from there three times. All three times. It's, he's going to give the answer from Deuteronomy 6 through 8. But he says, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And, and when he quotes that, he's reminding them of what Moses was reminding them back in Exodus. When they were wandering in the wilderness, remember that's where Jesus is, Jesus is in the wilderness. He's reminding them of the Israel when they were in the wilderness, and they're walking around like, ah, 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 I'm so thirsty, I'm so thirsty. <clears throat> and they're like, if God was real, he would give us water to drink. If he was real, he would show up and help us. God is not a very good God because he's letting us be so thirsty. And so, miraculously, grace, God doesn't destroy them, but has Moses strike the rock and water comes out and, and they get to live kind of in spite of themselves and in spite of their complaining. But Moses is like, don't put the Lord to the test like that again. Don't do that again. It won't go well for you the second time. And it might not go well for you the first time. So well, how would you and I, how would you and I uh, try to put God to the test or try to be God of God? Try to force God's hand. 
Well, one way might be to say, you know, I really want such and such, but I really can't afford it. So what I'm going to do, because I don't have the money, is I'm going to borrow the money in Jesus' name. And I'm going to tell everyone that I'm borrowing all this money because I have faith that this is the Lord's will for my life. And it, yes, financially, it's going to be like a leap. And it's going to be like, I'm going to pray that God will catch me. And I'm going to pray out loud so everyone knows that I'm praying God will catch me. And God's reputation will be at stake because I'm going to make God prove himself by catching me. But that is a temptation to do something foolish and dangerous and stupid and wrong. God may just let you fall because you're not God of God. You know, it's kind of like, too, the children of Israel saying, we are so thirsty, we are so discontent. They're trying to be God of God by telling God how to be God. Like, if you're good, you'll give us water. And we might say, if you're good, you give me... What? What do you tell God? If he was good, if he loved you, then he would give you... That's telling God how to be God. That's trying to be God of God. Is that more tempting to you to try to be God of God? Tell God, if you're good, then you would give me. If you love me, God, you would give me. Is instructing God more of a temptation to you? Or is quitting early on obedience? Is that more of a temptation to you? Well, there's one more temptation that Jesus faces here. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain. Now, this mountain is so high. Well, you'll, you'll see. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world. So I know this one is a vision because there's no mountain that high. Satan takes Jesus up, shows him all of it, and says... And their glory. I almost forgot that part. Good thing it's in the notes. He shows him all of it and all the glory that goes with it. And he said to him, All these things I will give you. Yeah, there's the catch. If you will fall down and worship me. Hey. Is, is, this, is this Satan's to offer? Can Satan really make that offer? I mean, can he? So Satan takes Jesus up, shows him all of it, with all its glory, and says, Look, I know. I know why you're here. I know what your plan is. I know you are the Son of God. But I've got an easier route. Instead of going through what you're going to go through, all you need to do is fall down and worship me. And I'll give you the keys to all of it. I mean, this would be a pretty good trade for the kingdoms of the world, wouldn't it? Like, wouldn't it be better if Jesus was reigning than Satan? Couldn't Jesus rationalize this by saying, all I have to do is bow down and then sickness goes away and disease goes away and... Poverty goes away and cruelty goes away and all the blight 
and decay and rot in the world goes away. I can fix all of it. Couldn't Jesus rationalize this? All he's got to do is bow down. He doesn't have to say anything. He's just got to bow down. Then Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan. For it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. See, this temptation is to compromise morally for gain. It is to tell yourself really a lie. That it's good to compromise so that you can get something better. So, so what, what we do when, when we're falling into this temptation is tell ourselves, well, I'm going to cheat on my taxes, but I'm going to cheat on my taxes so that I can tithe. You know? Or I'm going I'm to laugh at this racist joke with my friends so that they'll like me so that I can witness to them someday. You know, we're going to tell ourselves, I'm going to lie about my past so that my future can be better. You know, so we, we tell ourselves lies so that we compromise our morals because we think it will lead to a good end. And that is just not true. There is no deal with the devil that you can make that will go well for you. It is a lie. It is a lie. Satan, he, I mean, I, I posed that question earlier. Can Satan offer Jesus all of it? Is that Satan's to offer? Of course it's not. He's a squatter. Of course it's not. God lets him hang out. He gives him a measure of free reign, but he's still on God's leash. He didn't make it. He's not in charge. He's lying. But that's the thing. These deals that we make with ourselves, that we tell ourselves a lie because we think there's some good gain we're going to get, it's so easy because we want to believe that stuff. Is there a, is there a pleasant lie that you want to believe? Is there, is there a lie you're telling yourself because it's easier than facing the truth? Jesus faces down Satan and quotes scripture to him three times and, and conquers. And the devil left him, and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. So the angels of Psalm 91 did show up. And they did minister to him. And, and he did eat. That word minister is the word we get deacon from. Like the deacons were waiting on tables in the book of Acts. He did eat. I mean, there was a time when he should not eat. And then there was a time when he was to eat. And the, the angels did come. And God did rescue. And God did help him through. And the angels were there. The angels of Psalm 91. And in the next passage, he will begin preaching about the kingdom. What Matthew wants us to know is that Jesus faced down the devil and won. This is also what the author of Hebrews has to say about Jesus facing temptation. He says, for we do not have a high priest, that's Jesus, who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. But one one who in every respect has been tempted as we are. 
yet without sin. See, this is the point that Jesus won. And this is why it's such good news. He was tempted. He made it all the way through the workout. See, this is the thing with you and I. We're like, I don't know, Jesus, Jesus probably cheated because he was God. Well, no, he was fully man. And he made it all the way through the workout. You and I, we don't make it all the way through the workout. We, we get tempted and we quit. Jesus never quit. He faced temptation all the way through. He knows stuff about the workout that you and I can't even imagine. He knows stuff about facing temptation from Satan himself. You and I, we, we don't even know because we've never won. We've never survived the whole thing. We've never gone all the way to 10 in obedience. Like Jesus. But here's the promise. That his Jesus' righteousness can be ours when we turn to him in repentance and ask for the forgiveness of sins. His righteousness can be ours. But also, also there's another promise here in Hebrews chapter 4. Let me show it to you. Let us then, with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace. That we may receive mercy and find grace. So we go to God in prayer. We go to, in fact, Jesus in prayer to receive mercy. Like, I really need help right now. I really, really, really need help right now. And grace to help in the time of need. See, here's the thing about Jesus. He's faced temptation. He's conquered temptation. And he is ready to help. He is ready to help. But you got to ask. You got to ask. You got to want help. And I'm not sure we always want help. Sometimes I think we want to keep believing our pleasant lies and keep making deals with the devil. You got to want help. You got to want help. Sometimes I think we want to keep trying to be boss of God and complain and complain and complain and tell God how he needs to be God. Sometimes I think we want to just quit. We don't want to stay in the workout. We don't want to keep obeying. But if you want help, he is there. And he will help. That we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So what should we do? Well, I think it's clear we should ask for help. Please ask for help if you want it. And maybe you need to ask for help wanting it. Do you? Do you need to ask for help wanting help? That'd be a good place to start. He'll help you. I'll tell you that. He will help you. You may, I may not, may not be pleasant, but he'll help you. Ask Jesus for help. Second, what can we learn from Jesus? You know, as we go through this, man, Jesus knew his book. Jesus knew his book. Are you working at knowing your book? Are you working at memorizing scripture so that in the heat of battle, you can pull it out and quote it? Are you working at knowing the stories so that you know what happens to people who fall into temptation? Are you working at knowing this book, know this book. So first, ask for help. Second, know the book. And third, if you're facing temptation, do not panic, but persevere. This, this is what this passage is saying. 
that the Son of God himself, our Lord himself, was tempted to quit. So if you're tempted to quit, don't panic and say, oh no, everything must be over. It's just time to persevere in obedience. It's time to look up and ask for help. It's time to depend on the Holy Spirit. It's time to lean into God because he will help. Just because you want to quit doesn't mean you're going to. It means that it's time to look to him for help. If you're tempted to give way to anger and frustration and complaining and try to tell God how he has to be God or try to test God by saying, you know, I'm going to put you, God, in a position where you have to do what I say. Like, if you're tempted by that, don't panic. Just back away from the cliff. Just back away from the edge. It's okay. And ask for help. Our Lord was tempted too. Persevere. If you're tempted to believe lies, or you're afraid, if you're afraid, you're afraid to look behind the curtain and see the lie that you've been believing. To see the lie that you've made with the devil. You know, the deal that you've made with the devil that you didn't want to face. That you didn't want to know that you were making. Ask for help. Ask for help. Ask for help. This is why I follow Jesus. I follow Jesus because he won. And he wants to help. Let me pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for your faithfulness in sending your Son and in Jesus' faithfulness to obey. Lord, I pray that we would want help, that we would ask for help, and that we believe that you are giving it as we receive it. Lord, I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Before you shut me off, One more thing. If you want to discuss this with some friends, here are a couple discussion questions. And remember, they're meeting in room 110 if you want to check it out. But which of these three temptations that Jesus faced feels the most real today? So the first question, which of these three temptations feels the most real today? Second question, what can we learn about facing temptation from Jesus? Third question, which Scripture has helped you resist temptation. Jesus quoted from Deuteronomy 6 and 8. Which scripture have you quoted from as you resisted temptation? And number four, if someone is facing a temptation and doesn't know the Bible, what should they do? Thanks. I love you and I miss you.